The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. Well, once again, happy Easter, church family. It's great to see you here and uh, to be able to celebrate uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with you. Uh, It's great to have you online if you are with us for the first time or uh, just at home and uh, want to to join us. Uh, Really grateful for that. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open to Matthew chapter 11. It's where we're going to be this morning, Matthew chapter 11. It's a good day. We got donuts from Ava's. That's always a good day, ain't it, Cecilia? (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, so uh, we'll get you some donuts after the, after the gathering as well. We've got a photo booth, so you can take uh, photos with your family. Y'all dress up real nice, by the way, M- some of you. It's, I'm glad. <laughs> really grateful. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, in August of the year 386, a young man by the name of Augustine, 31 years old at the time, was conflicted, and he was at the end of himself. He was a man of great intellect, with a deep hunger for knowledge and for truth. But at the same time, he was a man of great vices, mastered by his lusts and passions, and had given himself over to all kinds of excess. And and every time he would do that, he would be left more weary and empty and exhausted than he was the time before. So he was conflicted in himself. He was empty and exhausted, both with himself and with his sin with his lifestyle. And in torment, he finally cried out, oh Lord, how long? How long? And according to Augustine, it was in that moment that he heard a child's voice say, take up and read. And thinking that that might be God, he quickly found a Bible and he opened it to the first, just, just turned it open and let his eyes fall to the page. And this is what he read. It was from Romans chapter 13. It says, let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and in immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, upon reading that, Augustine said he felt his heart flooded with light and he surrendered himself to the Lordship of Jesus. We know him today as the church father, Augustine of Hippo, a bishop, and uh, at some point later, on reflecting on his coming to Jesus, he, he wrote these words that I think are very penetrating and, and meaningful for us today. He said this, you have made us, speaking to God as a prayer, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I wonder how many of us this morning are restless. And I wonder if we can imagine what it might be like for our hearts, for our souls to feel at rest because they're resting in Christ. So Jesus has something to say to us about this today. And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to, just to give us context, I want to start in verse 25. I'll read down to verse 30 and then uh, we'll pray and, and jump in here. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it's on the screen for you. You can look along there as well. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them 
to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now the words that we're going to focus on this morning. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are grateful to be able to celebrate today the resurrected Christ. Now, we celebrate the resurrected Jesus every week, and yet, particularly on this day, as we reflect on Holy Week, as we reflect on Good Friday and Jesus going to the cross to bear the penalty for all of our sin, as we reflect on Holy Saturday, a day of silence, as we remember that Jesus was entombed and the hope of the world was dead. We also celebrate Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, praising you and thanking you that Christ is risen from the dead and we are free, we are forgiven. Those of us who have trusted in Christ belong to you, God. We are your sons and daughters by faith. So, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together with brothers and sisters to celebrate the resurrection. We also recognize that there are many people, believer and unbeliever alike, who are weary. And so, in these few moments, may we find some solace in your words, and may we find the rest that our souls long for in Christ. We ask for your blessing over our time of study in the beautiful name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. Now, the English language can be really complex and confusing at times, uh, but then there are words like these that are both so profound and so comprehensive and yet are also clear and simple and very straightforward. So I want to look at these three verses, 28, 29, and 30, and we'll just take them as we go. We'll kind of think through them together. And I've I've placed some headings. If you're a note taker, you can uh, write these down. We're going to look at what Jesus offers, who Jesus is, and why Jesus matters. Okay? So first, let's look at what Jesus offers. Verse 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love this because this is, a, this is a personal invitation from Jesus, isn't it? Come to me. I, I don't see anyone else in the text here besides Jesus and us. He doesn't say we have to come through a priest or a pastor. There's no other mediator. He just simply says to us, come to me. He doesn't, he doesn't say, go away from me. He says, come to me. He's not welcoming us um, under compulsion. Jesus is not going, well, I am the Savior of the world, so I guess, come on, right? He's saying, no, come to me. It's such a personal invitation to deal directly with Jesus. He doesn't even say, come to me, but but first you need to come to a right set of beliefs. First you need to hold on to these doctrines, and then you can come to me. Now let me be clear, right beliefs are really important, (laughs) And at Missio Day, we love good doctrine because it's our pathway, our guide to the real 
Jesus. But you can go to hell with the right doctrine, having realized you never actually came to him. But if we will come to him, we can never go to hell. Because he promises to give us rest. Real rest. Soul rest. See, James 2 reminds us, right? Even the demons believe and shudder. So it's not just about our beliefs. No, what what we find here is Jesus is inviting us. He genuinely wants us. There's a lot of ways to say come in the New Testament. The, The way that Jesus uses here is more like over here. What you're really looking for is over here. Come over here where I am and find what you're really looking for which tells us that, that, that there are a lot of places that we look for peace and calm and relief from the weariness of our souls where Jesus isn't. There are a lot of things that we give ourselves to that do not provide the eternal comfort that our souls crave. There are so many things in this world that, that we pursue and chase and give ourselves to that, that leave us more depleted than we were when we started pursuing them. They, they rob us deep down on a soul level. So Jesus invites us, come to me. Now who should come or how should we come? Look at it again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus is saying, all anyone, everyone who labors, in other words, are weary, all who are heavy laden or burdened, come to me. If, if you come to Jesus with strength, with success, with your amazing track record, with the sense that you have it all together, then you don't really qualify for Jesus' offer. But if you are tired, if you are exhausted, if you're fed up, disappointed, you're the one he wants. In other words, this offer from Jesus is for people who do not measure up. People with a lot of need, people with a lot of baggage, people with a history, with a past. This is for people who who believe they've ruined their chance. People with a lot of regret, people who wish they had never gotten married. People who are confused as to their sexuality and identity people who are full of anxiety about the future, people who are angry because they've been abused and neglected and and, and victimized, people with a lot of shame, people like us. All we do is bring our failings and our fears and our disillusionment and our brokenheartedness 
And Jesus says, I'll give you rest. Soul rest. That's what we learn in in verse 29. Uh, You will find rest for your souls. See, because all of these other things that we've clung to, not only do they rob us of a sense of rest and joy, but, but they're what the Bible calls sin. It's us substituting ourselves for God. And you can never rest as long as you're holding on to your sin. So Jesus says, come to me. All that's required is to bring your failures and your flaws and your hang-ups and your disillusionment and your brokenhearted. I wonder if there's anyone within the sound of my voice who is brokenhearted enough for Jesus this morning. He says, I'm not just going to remove your burden. I'm going to give you restoration. That's what rest really means. I think of Psalm 23 when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And best of all, this is a gift. It's a gift. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. If all you have this morning is your burden and your weariness, Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. That's the offer. That's what Jesus offers us. Bring your weariness and your frustrations and your disillusionment and your sin to me, and I will give you rest. But the offer is only as good as the one offering it, isn't it? So who's making this offer? That's what I want you to see in verse 29, who Jesus is. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So rest for our weary soul sounds good, right? And so some of us are thinking, okay, well, how do I take Jesus up on this offer? And he says, take my yoke upon you. So we have to ask, well, what's a yoke? Many of you might know a yoke was a long wooden bar, basically, with collars or uh, metal hooks, uh, circles on the end of it that you'd sort of fasten over the heads of livestock, oxen or cattle, in order to make their pulling or hauling of a load easier. You'd yoke them together. Uh, if you've been to Cracker Barrel, you've probably seen a yoke on the wall somewhere. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. So we, we think, okay, a yoke is restful? This isn't a collar is what you want from me? But, but when Jesus says, take my yoke on you, what he's not saying is, take my yoke on you because you don't have one. You have to realize that. What Jesus is saying here is, take my yoke upon you because you are already yoked to, to an impossible burden that is weighing you down. Because every single one of us bear the burden internally of trying to prove ourselves, trying to justify ourselves in this bleak world. And God hates that. When we try to justify ourselves, when we try to, to, to show our worth to God, to others, to the world, to ourselves, God, it's repulsive to him. But we all do it. We are, all of our hearts are bent towards trying to justify and prove ourselves. Some people do it through what I call conforming, that we want to obey all the rules. We want to be very good and moral and upright and just, and, and so we're going to obey all the rules, and we might even make some extra rules up that weren't in the book because we want to make sure, right? And, and so we are conforming, and that's how we prove ourselves, whereas others are non-conforming. 
we make our own rules. We are very into self, being self-defining and self-expressing. Um, and, you know, I, 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 we take very seriously that idea that we have personal freedom and autonomy. So no one can impose rules on me. I make my own rules. But you got to see that these are, and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will help you to see this. It's two ways around the same cul-de-sac. Because both are trusting in self. Both are relying on self to prove self to the world. And God says, no, 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 no. You, you, don't, you can't prove yourself. You have to trust in me. So we know that trying to prove ourselves, trying to justify ourselves, whether we do it by conforming or non-conforming or some combination of the two, it's exhausting. It is wearisome. Because we can never quite conform enough and there's always some other thing we didn't think of to define and express ourselves. So the only way to get out from under the wearisome burden of, of justifying ourselves, really being God to ourselves in this world, is to receive Jesus' offer. We receive his offer by repentance and faith. Repentance simply means to turn away from ourselves and our sin, to turn to him. So when he says, come to me, that's part of the invitation. Turn away from yourself, turn away from your sin, let go of those things and turn to me. Come to me. We repent and we believe, we trust, we have faith that Jesus is who he said he was. And we do it one step at a time. Now, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, that's experiential language, isn't it? Jesus is not saying, I am the farmer and you are my cattle, so put my yoke on you and I'll show you some stuff. No, what Jesus is saying is, get under this yoke with me. He's inviting us. So oftentimes a yoke would be used, you'd have an older wise uh, ox and a young brash ox and they would yoke them together so that the older one could teach the younger one how to plow. And in a similar way, Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. Attach yourself to me. This is experiential language. I want you to be attached to me and I will lead you and I will guide you and I will teach you. And he is the best kind of teacher. You know why? Look what he says about himself. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for what? I am gentle and lowly in heart. If you've been reading, we recommended a book for, uh, for the season of Lent called Gentle and Lowly um, by Dane Ortland. And some of you picked that book up, and I, I hope it's been a blessing to you. If it hasn't, I'll give you your money back out of my own wallet, okay? Because I think it's such a good book. But uh, Dane Ortland explains this in the book. But this is the only place. So we know a lot of things in the Scripture about Jesus' teachings. We know a lot of things about Jesus' Miracles. We know a lot of things about Jesus' death and resurrection. But this is the only place, the one and only place in all of the scripture, over almost 12,000 chapters, 31,000 verses, this is the only place where Jesus tells us about his heart. And what are the words that Jesus uses to describe his heart? I am gentle and lowly. Now, that does not mean that he's not everything else that we would use to describe Jesus. Is he holy? Yes. Is he just? Yes. Is he sinless and perfect? Yes. Is he exalted? Yes. Is he wise? Yes. We could go on all day with all the superlatives about who Jesus is. But when Jesus gets the chance to tell us about his own heart from his own mouth, what he says about himself is, I am gentle and lowly. 
in heart. Now, heart in the scripture is not just our emotions, right? If you've been around here long enough, you've heard me say that when the Bible uses the word heart, what it means is the center of our being. Sort of the core animating center of our self. And that's who Jesus says he is at the essence, at the core. I am gentle and lowly in heart, which means this. And, and if you're on the fence about Christianity or maybe you, you've got a, um, a jaded past about growing up in the church because you heard some harsh things about God, let me, let me just remind you. When Jesus says he's gentle and lowly, it means that he is not callous. He is not disagreeable. He is not harsh. He is not pretentious. He is not proud. He is not egotistical. Now, that does not separate the fact that he is just and, and there is wrath for those who, who do not repent and believe. But for those who come to him, he is gentle and lowly. So we can come to him because he does not look down on us with contempt, but he gets down to our level and looks us in the eye with compassion. We can come to him with all of our burdens and all of our sins and all of our weariness, and we don't have to be afraid that he's going to snuff us out or that he's going to crush us because Jesus was willing to be crushed for us. And so through Jesus, we find deep, meaningful rest for our souls, the remedy to every misery that haunts us. Because he himself, First Peter tells us, bore our sins in his body on the tree. Jesus took the curse so we could have the blessing. He took divine justice so we could have mercy. And he invites us to come to him. Now, some of you would say, okay, I'm already a Christian, like I've come to Jesus. What do I do with this? Well, here's my question. Do you still have burdens? <laughs> do you still have sins? Are you still weary? Because this is not a one-time event. See, some of us have come to Jesus, and, and, then, and then we kind of wandered away from Jesus. And we all do it moment by moment in our own hearts all the time. And so this is not just a one-time decision, be yoked to Jesus. This is a moment-by-moment -moment decision to be yoked to him, to take on his yoke and his burden, as we'll see in just a few minutes. You guys with me so far? Okay. So we've seen what Jesus offers. We've seen who Jesus is. Some of you are thinking, this sounds great, uh, but so what? Why should Jesus and his offer to me really matter? And I think there's two answers to that question. Uh, look at verse 30 with me really quickly. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So why Jesus matters? Why does Jesus matter? First, because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You say, okay, I'm not quite following you on that. Easy does not mean without difficulty. Easy means good. Kind, not harsh, not severe. When Jesus says that his burden is light, 
A better translation of that really is my burden is not a burden. My burden is an unburden. In other words, Jesus is not the great burden imposer. He's the great burden lifter. What is harsh, what is a burden, is trying to prove ourselves in a world where the target is always moving. Because as I said before, if you're putting your hope in conforming, you can never quite conform enough because there's always some other standard that you need to conform to. If, you're, if your heart is bent towards being non-conformist and kind of making it up as you go and expressing yourself and defining yourself, well, there's always a different definition. And, and, and we all know this. Like, we do not measure up to our own expectations of ourselves. None of us. If we're really honest with our hearts, none of us measure up to our own expectations of ourselves, much less the expectations of the world around us, much less the expectations of a holy and righteous God. And so what's a burden, what's crushing, what is harsh is not being able to meet the demands and knowing that we cannot meet the demands. Because no matter what we yoke ourselves to, if it isn't Jesus, it's never going to be quite enough to satisfy or to give us true rest at a soul level. I'm not talking about physical rest. I'm talking about that sense in yourself when you lay on your pillow at night that I'm not enough, that I don't have what it takes that sense of impending doom that someone is finally tomorrow morning going to figure out that you're a phony and an imposter. We all feel it to a degree. And so what we need most is the rest that only God can provide. Even people who seem to have it all together if we were to do a survey briefly in this room, which we won't, so don't worry, but if we did, and we measured things like physical health and financial health, what we would find is there are some of us in this room who are a train wreck, and there are others who everyone else is envious of because you're fit and healthy and financially strong. And it's those kinds of people, if you talk to any legitimate therapist, it's those kinds of people, the people who, by all appearances, have it all together, are fit and healthy and strong, and everything's going great. A therapist will tell you that those are the people generally who are most depleted in soul. And so, though the rest of us look with them, to them with envy, even they recognize in themselves, I don't have what it takes. So we need rest. We need rest for ourselves. We need rest for our city. I, I long for the people in our city to find the rest of Jesus. Because when I look out at our city, here's what I see. I see people who are bright and creative and cr crazy talented and brokenhearted and tired. So, so Jesus matters because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But, but Jesus also matters because he's alive. 
This is Resurrection Sunday, after all. This is Easter when we celebrate the fact that Jesus defeated death and he walked out of the grave. These are not, in other words, these are not just words that were spoken by some religious teacher eons ago and sort of scribbled down that we can look on and, and sort of look at and, and, and gain a few principles from and reflect on them, but they're not really for us. No, these are the words of a risen, risen Savior. These are the words of, of one who is living today with the nail wounds in his hands to prove that he, in fact, died for our sins and rose again. This verse is in the Bible because the offer from Jesus is still on the table. This is the very heart of the Christian message. This is the very heart of Jesus, the very reason he came. Like, you, you know Jesus came to live a life we could never live. Perfect sinless. Jesus measured up perfectly for every one of you because none of us could ever measure up. The Bible says that Jesus fulfilled every righteous requirement of the law. He did it all perfectly because none of us could. Whatever your standard is, you can't meet it, but Jesus exceeded it because you couldn't. Not only that, Jesus died in our place. For all of the things that we have yoked ourselves to that are not him. For all of the idols of soul, all the things that we've clung to that we thought, this will give my soul rest. This will give me meaning in life. This will give me purpose. This will make me feel better. And all those things, the Bible says, are sin. They're idolatry. They're putting something else above God. And when we do that, our sin is a burden. And that burden is we cannot pay the debt. We cannot lift the burden ourselves. We're crushed under the weight of it. And if we do not repent and turn to Jesus, it will eventually crush us because the wrath of God will pour out on sin. But Jesus came to absorb the wrath of God for us, to take our burdens, to take our sin, to take our shame and our guilt and all of that on himself to absorb God's wrath in our place and to turn it into God's favor towards us so that any who would come to him will find the rest that our souls require. On the third day, Jesus walked out of that grave and he is standing today as a risen and conquering king who is also, by the way, a gentle and lowly shepherd who is inviting us to come to him with all of our burdens, with everything that makes us feel weary. To lay down that heavy yoke of trying to prove ourselves in this world and to this world. To lay down our restlessness. As Augustine said, God has made us for himself and our hearts will be restless until they find rest in him. So Jesus invites you today, believer or unbeliever, to bring your burdens, bring your weariness, bring your restlessness to lay it all down before him. And we will find the kind of rest that this world can neither provide nor take away from us. Once we lay down those other yokes those heavy yokes that we bind ourselves to that just do not provide what we need. 
So listen, this morning, will you come to Jesus? Some of you, I am sure, have never trusted in Jesus, never surrendered to Jesus, and you're carrying all kinds of burdens and weights on your shoulders this morning, and Jesus is inviting you to lay them down, to trust in him, to turn from yourself to him, to embrace him, and to have those burdens lifted. Others of us, we're believers. We've, we've trusted in Christ before. We've experienced the lifting of that burden, and now we find ourselves burdened again. And he is inviting us as well to come to him with our weariness and our burdens. If you are burdened in any way, weary in any way, why would you hold on to that weariness and burden one moment longer when the invitation stands for you to come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. And listen, from this day forward, when we find that our souls are weary, when we find that the burdens are piling up, we're invited back and back and back again and back again and back again until we're with him. This offer stands for all who will humble themselves and come to him. So, as we conclude uh, this morning, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for you, and uh, I'm going to ask, uh, there's going to be a, a prayer on the screen, okay? Maybe the Spirit will help you, and if you need to just spend some time with the Lord, confessing and, and, and giving your burdens over to Him, you're welcome to do that. The band's going to come back up in a moment, but I want to leave a moment of silence after I pray for you, uh, for you just to do business with the Lord here. And if you do so, I'd love to know about it, uh, especially if you're coming to trust in Jesus for the first time. But let me pray for you, and then uh, you can pray, and, and we'll respond in singing. Father, we confess that many of us in this room are weary. Weary physically from just the, the strain of life, but many of us are weary in soul because we have not come to you. We are not coming to you. We are trying to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, and it is exhausting. We're trying to prove ourselves, trying to, to justify ourselves and, and, and show the world that we mean something. We mean something to you, and you invite us to come and lay all of that garbage down simply to receive the rest that only you can provide. And so, Lord, we want to do that whether we're coming to you for the first time or whether we have come and come and come and come again, we come back. Because the rest that you provide never runs out. And your invitation never expires. There's, there's not a one per customer coupon with it. It's here always. So help us to come to you with our burdens, with our weariness, with our self-justifying, with our sin to turn from it, to repent of it, to trust in you and to find the rest for our souls that only you can provide. We need you. We thank you for your word, which is life-giving and rest-producing. And I ask for my brothers and sisters now as we sit for a moment in silence and as we pray to you on our own and confess and ask for your rest that you would meet us here. We thank you in the name of Jesus. By the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen.